0: You're listening to The Tech Box. Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of The Tech Box. My name's James Honeyball, and I've got with me David Rich. Hi, Dave. Hello, James Honeyball. How are you? Pretty good. How are we doing?
1: I've uh... I've got a bit of a uh, bit of illness I think at the moment I'm not 100% last three days I felt like um,
0: can I be described as death ah have you actually got have you got what you would describe as a cold
1: I've got a sore throat bad head blocked nose lack of sleep but then I always have general lack of sleep but I would describe it as a cold but I just feel terrible
0: you know that we've, we've got to that situation again where it's more likely that you've got COVID than a cold at the moment well,
1: my new thinking is, if it isn't COVID, then it's not worth being ill with. That's that's the thing. I, I've I've not come positive on a on a COVID test, so therefore I should just shut up and put up.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Pretty
1: much. So I'm, I'm technically not ill. Yeah. I don't have COVID.
0: Okay. But I am. It's good to get that clarified at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you enjoying the warm weather? Are you a warm weather person?
1: i particularly not a warm weather person so uh i, I you know it, it doesn't bother me that that much um I'd rather not be in the warm i i' not i don't want to be wet but i'd i quite like to be cold so uh, uh okay
0: so if it was like a you know dry frosty cold that would be good for you yeah
1: yeah i i i don't like sand neither, so I'm pretty useless on any sort of holiday because I hate sand. I mean, the i you you don't wouldn't sit in a muddy field, would you? Would you sit in a muddy field? I wouldn't. I wouldn't
0: sit in a muddy field. No, but I'd sit on a sandy beach in the sun.
1: Well, that it's just effectively dirt, isn't it? You sat there in a substance that could uh, you know cause abrasions on anything you put in it, and, yeah. and everyone sat there nice and happy. I won't even sit on it. My my kids love me because they'll be sat there playing, and I'll be stood up away I for get... hours at a time.
0: I can understand the sand thing. Unless you embrace the sand, then you can you can get kind of like annoyed by it because it sort of goes everywhere and wrecks everything, especially wrecks technology. So you don't want to be in sand and you know dropping your non IP protected uh, phone into it.
1: Trying to desand two children before you sanitize them to take them anywhere where yeah, any other yeah. electronics are yeah. is an absolute nightmare.
0: The desanding process is pretty gross. Yeah,
1: I, would, I would want a clean room, some power washers, and yeah. something to suck everything off. Um, in, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I thought you were going to say that you wanted a clean room, and then you're just going to live in the clean room.
1: I would happily live in the clean room, but therefore. No one else would be allowed in the clean room. So.
0: Of course not, but no.
1: Certainly, I, I certainly wouldn't go and sit in a muddy, soiled field, so I can't understand the appeal to go sit in baking heat, where you're going to sweat, and sit in sand and get covered in what is effectively glass
0: particles. Yeah. Not fun. I sound like you'd be quite fun on a summer holiday.
1: I'm miserable. I don't know how the wife actually puts up with me. When we went to the beach, I just, I hated every second of it, and... I wasn't for I wasn't backwards in coming forward about my
0: loathing of sand either. Of it, Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely hated every second of it. Oh,
0: I've got I've got some sympathy with the sand I think as I've got older I've kind of learnt to embrace it but yeah I've got some sympathy with it.
1: People dig things into the sands as well James which is even worse. Can, you, you know, is it's just the disgust not only to be covered in sand but then find something buried in the sand as well.
0: Yes, you do sometimes come across like... Well, mostly, you know, cigarette butts and that sort of thing, but there are other things in there as well.
1: Disgusting. It's not for me.
0: So, if you are sat at home, uh, relaxing, uh, enjoying all of your uh, mod cons, uh, I hear that you've got a new uh, broadband supplier.
1: So, I, I'm still at, I've I'm still got the home broadband, but I'm thinking of actually making the switch to um, using a SIM card. So, I got a... Uh, I think it's a TP-Link router, but it has a 4G SIM
0: slot in. As a fallback, or is it um, just a 4G router?
1: So the, it's got 4G built in, or, or so it's got two modes. You can have it in normal mode, or you can have it in 4G mode. So uh, 4G mode, obviously, instead of using a wide connection to the to the wall, it just uses a, any SIM card plugged in. Okay. And other than that, it operates like a normal router. You can connect wirelessly to it, wire to it, five gigahertz 2.4 so it's effectively for all intents and purposes just a normal uh home router except you're sharing a uh, a 4g connection around instead
0: okay so that's pretty cool so it's got all of the features of your normal router but you can uh, run it on uh, cellular
1: yeah so i'm wanting to get i mean i don't don't ask me why i'm doing this it's probably crazy because the home broadband isn't massively expensive i think i paid like, vodafone like 19 pound a month and that's all unlimited but i am limited to like uh 50 meg connection 50 down i think it's 20 up and on 4g um at ideal times so i can get over 100 um and i again we've we've got a uh, we've got a friend down so we can do these three friends and family plans uh where you effectively get unlimited data for i think it's 14 pounds a month
0: yeah that's not super cheap is it but I mean, it's it's a nice price but
1: it's it's a month-to-month, month, so you're not tied in. Not that that means anything with home broadband anyway, but I'm thinking of moving in the next uh, year or so. Um, and again, for me, the speed is slightly better, okay? Uh, yeah. So 50 versus over 100, so it is better. Um, I, I, I've been keen to see whether I hit this fair usage policy because I have read a few bits and bobs with 3 that there might be a fair usage, but I haven't really run up against it. Um, I don't know whether I'm just managing to slide under the radar or they're maybe taking it as a one-off at the moment, and that if I keep hitting the sort of numbers that I'm going to hit, they're going to take it as more of like a commercial use. But I think, again, reading through their terms and conditions, there's certain things, certain markers that they look look out for, and I, and I think I'm just not hitting them yeah. with, what, with the kit that I've got, if that makes
0: sense. So what's your current level of usage on it then?
1: I think, I mean, and but don't get me wrong, I'm not doing anything other than watching Netflix Sky, the kids are playing Roblox and online stuff. I think 1.6 terabytes in three weeks.
0: Wow, I think that is quite a lot. You know,
1: it it, it shocked me actually how much we do use. Um, that is an incredible amount of data, and I've never really monitored it before. I think when I had um, fiber back before the kids, I monitored it. I was about 600 gig, um, but I certainly wasn't streaming netflix all the time and i wasn't online gaming or anything like that
0: yeah i reckon like 500 gigs rings a bell for me because i'm with virgin media and i'm sure that they used to send you a little summary of your usage to kind of justify you know why you'd want to stay with them or whatever and 500 gigs kind of sounds about right that rings a little bell so i i guess it's not beyond the realms of possibility but i think it might be on the high side
1: I see. I'm thinking that the, for some strange reason, the number six hundred gig rings a bell in my head with three as being fair usage. Oh, okay. Um, but obviously, I've gone way beyond that, and I'm not experiencing any dramas whatsoever. Well. I, I do notice, though, we're back, and I haven't experienced this for years. It's like peak times. Yeah. My speeds do fall off. They do fall off. I, I, I am. One thing that's to be said for for home broadband versus, uh, 4G. Is the uh, the ping level is much lower, but again, and um, I would say sharing it out as well. I've not, I've never really run into problems with lots of people using devices, but I have noticed potentially significant slowdown when mo- when everybody's sort of hitting it hard, um, and certainly at peak hours, I've noticed that speed dropping to maybe like thirty meg down versus something like a hundred meg during the day.
0: That's interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so certain certainly like uh, you know the amount of people utilizing the mast or the or whatever it is. I mean, I've messed around changing bands, locking it onto one band versus because you can go into like really good detail with the router I've got. You can select the band that you want to lock it to, uh, you know, the 4G band, and then you can that's separate to like the 5G. That's separate to the bands that you can have for the actual Wi-Fi itself. Yeah. The access points as well, there's two different access points with three. There's 3.co.uk and then there's 3, the number internet. And for the life of me, I can't figure out. I mean, they both seem to be the same, but at certain times of the day, I sort of convince myself that one is faster than the other, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like the 3.co.uk is the one that's used on most phones, whereas the 3 internet was used historically on dongles. mm. So again I don't know whether that plays any sort of part in what they think it is.
0: Um I wonder if going out to a a VPN would help with multiple users because you'd kind of be funneling all the multiple users out to the VPN to sort out.
1: It it, it I I get what you mean. Um The only time I've noticed it uh, is is with three. I've also got unlimited EE here as well uh, on one of the plans, Um, and that's uh, again that's unlimited data. Um, And again, that's I would say three's better. Three's better. I don't know whether they're sharing even sharing a mast because they're very very similar speeds. It's just that EE tends to fall off a cliff much more at peak times than three does. so I don't know whether their customer base is larger in the area that I am in. And and again, these are, it's, it's very odd because I can do a speed test with this EE SIM card in the router and I'll hit like 30 megabits per second down. But then I'll use a phone and I'll get well over 100. And I can't for the life of me figure out, are they doing some sort of traffic shaping or are they profiling the devices or, or
0: something or other? So you're getting it faster on the phone, Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense, though, because the modems in the phones are bang up to date Mm. and they support all of the sort of fancy stuff, all the fancy stuff like having, um, you know, multiple, what do they call it? Multiple uh, signal bonding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they do that in the phones. But I've noticed that those 4G MiFis and dongles, they definitely don't unless, you, you know, and you have to get quite expensive before they start doing those things.
1: So another problem as well that, that I've had is setting up any sort of because it, because of the way it works you can't set up any sort of static IP to your house you can't even use one of these um, d- dynamic one of these uh, websites uh, that's set okay. up because what happens is um, the, the mobile networks they use carrier aggregation so they've effectively not not only are they dynamically using giving you an IP different IP every time. They're dynamically, dynamically, if that makes sense. So they're effectively splitting. They're giving you a random one, but then they're also sharing that out to other people. So you can't even go to one of these services online and say, okay, um, I want to set up a static route through you because uh, they're sort of subdividing their, uh, we're very techie here, but if anyone wants to Google carrier aggregation, they're dividing it and dividing it and dividing it again to get everybody on.
0: Using yeah. a VPN might help there as well.
1: I've I tried that. It, it purely won't work because of this uh, subdivision. They're subdividing it and subdividing it so many times that even utilising a VPN, it, I've looked into it. It's uh, it's beyond that technology, if that makes sense. I've even tried having Raspberry Pis to route traffic and all sorts of stuff, but um, it, it's the carrier aggregation that they use. They're, instead of just like giving you, usually, most of these services just are designed to deal with, like, your one dynamic IP changing, but you've got... They, like, divide the one into, like, four. It's crazy what they do to get as many customers onto the network as they can. Um, But needless to say, it's nails. And it's not really doable. Uh, But Plex seems to work, so who cares?
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Hmm. I don't know what... But I think that's because you're not going through any IP routing with Plex. You're going through a Plex server.
0: Uh, Well, you can... Connect directly to your Plex server, or you Mm. can go through Plex's servers.
1: And I think because Plex are handling it, I don't think the carrier aggregation comes into, into its own. I've even tried having my own virtual private server in the cloud running to handle my traffic forwarding, but again, that doesn't cope well with the carrier aggregation. So whatever Plex are doing, I think it's because it's an account to an account versus an IP to an account.
0: Well, it's just that I think with all it is, is that you've got two ways of, Plex has got two ways of connecting to your home. Either directly, which case yeah. you do need a static IP, or you need dynamic IP, or it will just go through Plex's servers. So both are connecting to Plex, and Plex yeah. handles the routing. What what the short
1: what I'm trying to say is, I tried to mimic the Plex way of doing things for me to be able to access my computers remotely to 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 do it. Okay, and I can't mimic it. So whatever Plex are doing, it they're doing it very well. Yeah. So, but I mean, what more do I need to do anyway with Plex? Uh, it's a it's a workable solution should i choose that that
0: option yeah Um, okay well i'm not sure whether for 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 the sake of five quid a month uh, i suppose you're getting a bit of extra speed yeah it's an interesting one i would definitely um if i had that i mean presumably that router can use the cellular as a fallback which would be quite cool
1: so not as a fallback it's either one or the other this uh, one, is the
0: same. But I guess you, you can manually log on and switch
1: it, oh, Yeah, yeah, it's got a nice app, so no matter where you are, you can, you can log into your cloud account and enable it and kick the kids off the internet when they don't get ready for school and all sorts of stuff, so it's mm. all, very, all very pleasant. But it's a good experiment, I yeah. suppose.
0: no, it's cool. It's good that it's, it is practically usable, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and certainly, again, if you were living in a mobile home or a caravan, you could have a perfectly usable home network. Without the use of dongles or anything like that, because you've got a router with a four G SIM card built in, you've effectively got that infrastructure, the normal home networked infrastructure, and it just does out over four G, which is ideal, really. Yeah, no, it's cool. I think it cost me like eighty pound for the router as well, so it wasn't massively expensive neither. Mm. Obviously, there's there's faster ones available. Um, well, there's there's other four G ones available. I, I got quite a good one, to be fair. I think I got. It, I think it was on a. A discount on Amazon at the time, but I, th- I should imagine you can get a 5G one, but they're
0: very s- expensive. Yeah, I was going to say, we're probably getting that way through the 4G life cycle that actually getting a 5G one might actually not be such a bad idea, but as you say, it's probably quite expensive at the moment. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any like 5G MiFis or anything like that. I'm sure they're there or coming, mm. but... I-, I would say
1: 5G is probably better, because as you add users to the network or to the local um, mast, it's not going to suffer the same degradation, you know what I mean, Yeah. um, as 4G does because of the technology in itself. So 5G is always going to be a bit more, a bit better. So I should imagine I'd probably get consistent speeds all the time with 5G. Yeah, cool. This is up and down. But yeah, I've just been you know we we geeks like to play don't we No, absolutely that's cool no, 1.6 terabytes i'm quite impressed with that yeah just, no, that's so weeks. i'll
0: have to try and see if i can break that somehow just uh, yeah. impressive numbers going mad for it so i saw quite an interesting article which you probably would have seen uh during the week cuz i think it made bbc's website around uh, bmw charging a subscription for their seated seated seats i keep trying to say yeah. but heated seats so did you did you see that I did, I did, and so I, I've got different view, views on this. So I, I'll let I'll let you fill people in. Well, I was just going to say, essentially, um, they're not, or actually, they give you an option to buy the heated seats outright, or you get the option to pay monthly for the heated seats. I think it was eighteen pound a month or something, wasn't yeah. it, like that
1: versus four hundred pound one off payment.
0: And for me, I hate the idea of not owning something and and having to rent it and we sort of have to do that don't we for um things like uh you know our mobile phone bills our broadband bills we can't own broadband or we can't own you know mobile signal coverage you know we have to rent those things which is annoying but uh, when it comes to sort of things like cars or any other thing i hate getting it on like um you know like these sort of high purchase and all that kind of stuff. Obviously with things like a house, you you obviously you don't have a choice, you're never gonna be able to afford just sort of whack down the entire price of a house. But I don't know, the idea of renting something that's already built into the car kind of um, rubs me up the wrong way. I don't know. What were your what were your thoughts on it? So
1: what my I think so if the if you didn't so let's say we went to the dealer and they said, Right, heated suits are a four hundred pound option and then you paid the £400, and they said, okay, so you've paid for the £400, the option for the seats, and now it's £18 a month to turn it on, or £400 to turn it on. So effectively, £800. That would irk me. But if it was just built in, and I paid no extra for it, other than either the £18 a month or the £400 to turn it on, then I would see that as all the kits there, a bit like when I used to have my old Mark 1 Focus, they put the wiring loom in for the fog lights, but because I never had the fog lights I couldn't I couldn't have the fog lights but I equally could then just go and buy them and add them in myself if the hardware was there and I hadn't paid anything for it and it was just a question of here you go here's 400 pounds to turn it on I think that's fair but if I'm paying to have the hardware installed and then paying to activate it as well I don't think that is particularly fair to be fair <laughs> to be fair
0: fair to be fair I mean it's I think it's the the one big example was with tesla wasn't it because they mm. have their self-driving uh as a paid for piece of software even though the actual hardware to support the self-driving is built into the cars so that's an example where i guess they're saying look it's an additional cost for this software so you need to pay for it and in some ways that seems a little bit less egregious but Yeah, this sort of rent because they also had it. I'm sure BMW tried to do it or do do it with um, Apple's CarPlay. Uh,
1: Yeah, they were. Yeah, I think I think they still do. I think they do. Yeah,
0: yeah. Those. I mean, my I've got a BMW, but it's a bit old, so it doesn't have um, CarPlay. But um, yeah, the idea of renting that again is just like it's bad because you know it's not a rentable thing. Other cars have got it built in.
1: So that, that Vauxhall Corsa car, the electric one that I had, that I spoke about on the last show, I downloaded the app for that. And that, when, when I logged in and added the VIN of the vehicle to my Vauxhall account, it, it listed me with a load of options and things I could do. So automatically that I could, I, I added like a, these options. So um, certain ones were already pre, prepaid. So I went into the option, for example, for climate control and it allowed me to set the temperature of the car before I got to the car, if that makes sense, yeah, that's and, cool. And, I, and that was said. That said, lifetime free add. So then I added that to my account. But there was other ones like um, the navigation pack, which was like four hundred pound. And if I add, if I paid the four hundred pound and added that to the lifetime of my account, then that would go to my account. Um. So so everybody's doing it, and I and I, and I think BMW are doing it in a particular way that. So let's say I pay four hundred pound for the hardware to be installed in the car. And then I pay £400 to activate it or £18 monthly. If I then sell the car on, the person who added the VIN of that car to their new account, they would then have to pay £400 to activate it. So they get they're double dipping, aren't they?
0: Well, that's right. So basically, if I buy it, if I buy the BMW and I pay the £400 for the heated seats and then I sell it to you, yep. do you have to go and rebuy those heated seats for 400 quid or were they sort of permanently added to the car
1: no no it'll be the opposite so it'll be the opposite of apple care if you buy apple care it stays with the hardware so if you sell the hardware it goes with it well this one will stay with the person so if you sell the hardware that you know technically i'd still be i could still pay for heated seats for a car i don't own but yeah someone at, yeah
0: it did it did sort of strike me and so we'll sort of transition onto uh, xiaomi and the fact that these budget phone brands rely on uh, advertising uh, for an ongoing um, income from their phones uh, rather than just like selling it once outright and then never getting any revenue from that phone ever again you know it's one of the reasons why they can sell stuff so cheap is that they have an ongoing uh, revenue on it but i was thinking could this be used to our advantage with cars? Could we end up with a sort of a Xiaomi-style, really high-quality car that you get super cheap because you've got various ongoing payments that you could then choose to or choose not to pay? And I thought, well, what would be the extreme in the car world of that? Mm.
1: I mean, I suppose they already do it. I mean, if you look at a base Tesla Model 3 versus a maxed out, Tesla Model 3 when you start adding on the auto drive the self so the self driving and all that sort of stuff you you easily creep up an extra 15 uh, an extra 15 grand
0: yeah um
1: i mean so as part of this research i did it, i went into my subscriptions on my iphone and had a little talk up about um just what, because you don't notice subscriptions that's the problem they creep up on you i think with this bmw one it was 18 pounds for the heated seats i think it was another 12 pounds for the heated steering wheel and things like that, so I was I was uh, intrigued as to what am I paying every month on subscriptions alone um, because I, I don't notice this neither because I'm with EE you can just choose to add it to your EE bill yeah so I don't really notice it going out I just pay the EE bill every month um, yeah it's uh, sh- it's shocking when you when you add up add it all up but you you didn't do the research did you. Um, I mean, do you, I assume you use subscriptions.
0: I do have loads of subscriptions and I am kind of blissfully blissfully ignorant about how much they would all total if I did add them all up. But it would be loads. I've got subscriptions that I know that I don't use at the moment that I haven't uh, cancelled. In fact, I got an email from Sony saying that you haven't used your Sony PlayStation account uh, and for ages, it might even be a year and it's kind of like advising me saying, you probably want to cancel this, which is decent of them to do because I've obviously got it, I've maybe got it on some like yearly thing. And I, it's a bit like Amazon Prime where it will, you know, renew on an annual basis and therefore they won't tell you. And then it's too late by the time they do it and they've got another year from you. So um, that Sony one is one that I definitely do need to cancel. But um, yeah, I've got a few um, subscriptions that I need to uh, trim. And I suppose, you know, I said I'd like to buy everything outright if I can. I know that I've bought, uh, for instance, I bought the Plex uh, license outright. And I bought, um, you know, any DVD, which helps with ripping um, Blu-rays and DVDs. I've got a lifetime license for that, even though they try and push like the monthly one. Um, But there are some bits and bobs that you just have to get monthly, you know, Netflix and, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: So I I use like um, a pocket have you heard of Pocket, that offline reader? Yeah. 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 yeah so that used to be really reasonable. It used to be like one pound ninety nine a month. And what what the what the uh, subscription enabled you to do was to to download them offline so that if they went away on the web you still had them. And that's that's pushed up to three pounds ninety nine. I tell you what keeps yeah. Oh I tell you what keeps catching me out. And and the thing is you can't buy a lifetime me- membership for yeah, things like that. Yeah. But I keep getting these Readly trials. So I'll purchase a Samsung, for instance, and as part of the Samsung Boost, they will give me three months of Readly. So I'll sign up for three months of Readly, and then every three months or so, I'll get hit with a, a charge for Readly because I won't have used it, but I'll, I'll forget the fact that to get this free trial, I had to subscribe to do it. Yeah. And Audible keeps catching me out as well. There'll be a good book on Audible that I like. I'll take a trial. I'll download the book. And then a month or so, two months later, I'll get, I'll get hit, and just as I have done this month with £7.99.
0: The Audible one is
1: really um oh, it's annoying. Nasty. You can't cancel it. You have to go through hundreds of menus on a computer. You can't do it from a phone.
0: It's nasty because that, well, it, it gives you those credits. Yep. And if you cancel, I think you lose the credits. So yeah. you've always got that balance of credits that you don't want to cancel because you've got those credits and then so what you have to do is you have to sit down and spend all of your credits before you can cancel and it's kind of quite uh it's difficult sometimes to actually say right okay you, you've got to buy four books and you, before you can cancel so it's, it's like i know it's not a big step because you just sort of buy four books that you've probably had your eye on or whatever but it's a, it is a bit of friction before being able to cancel you have to do those things
1: very very frustrating i'm just glad i i purchased like pocket casts and um, that moved to subscription but because i i, I think i purchased it on the web i would purchased it on the phone and i think they just gave me it for free for life
0: yeah i think i must have a lifetime uh subscription to that because i i do remember there was some kerfuffle about it when they yeah went to try and go to i think no what it is is it's you you bought the app didn't you uh, so Did i you bought the app, app.
1: Yeah, I bought the app on Android, I bought the app on, f- on the iPhone, I bought the app to use it on the web as well, and then they moved to subscription, and everyone was up in arms, so pretty much if you bought it in most places, you got it for free. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right, um, yeah.
1: I, I totted up my subscriptions, and it comes to a eye-watering £37.42 a month. That is ridiculous. I've gone and cancelled them. It's things like Strava and um, Plex and things like that, you, you just don't notice them. Um, as I said, Google, uh, what's their equivalent of the iCloud? A Google Drive. One, yeah. yeah, Google One. Um, just crazy, silly things like that. And that's not to mention, like, the annual ones where you, are, like, buy, like, a wallpaper app or TweetBot that's £5.99 a year. Do you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, it's, a uh, wallpaper app.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it basically, uh, iOS is tricky compared to Android, isn't it? we end up paying for things that you wouldn't ordinarily pay for. Like on Android, you can get plenty of apps that link into like the Bing wallpaper of the day.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't pay for a wallpaper app. You're paying for a wallpaper app on a so,
1: subscription. No. So, 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 so in, here we go in my defense. Are you ready? I'm going to have a look okay. at it. It, it, it effectively, it, it, it's yearly. I think it's something like four pounds a year, four pounds a year or something like that. I, I can be a bit more accurate, but it, it, it dials into the whole Bing wallpaper, changing it daily, and and to automate that is, um, it's worth paying someone some money to automate it for you. That, that's all I will yeah. say in my in my view. Okay, and uh, I, I can tell you, here we go. I can tell you the exact amount that I'm paying them a year, and and it, oh, actually, it's more than you'd expect: six pounds ninety nine a year.
0: That's it. This interesting only because Xiaomi has this feature that they're pushing onto all the new phones now called wallpaper carousel, which tries yep. to do a very similar thing and it's the first thing I, I get rid of. And see,
1: I like it. It does it on the computers, on the phones. It is it, it's pretty good. It's worth having. Uh,
0: Six pounds ninety nine well spent.
1: So like I said, if someone builds a good app, I don't mind paying for it. But I can't yeah,
0: give... oh, this was what I was gonna say. You do want to support good apps. That's fair enough. Uh, Six pounds ninety
1: nine. It's a and, and then TweetBot as well. I I don't use Tweetbot a lot anymore, but um I think that's what 5.99 a year
0: yeah i mean that's reasonable i think
1: i've got i've got a load of free trials from like old EE plans um i think they run to like 2023 but again i've got um apple tv plus till 2023 i've got apple Arcade till 2023 and i might have to revisit that because i do get a lot of use out of apple tv and apple arcade if anything i'm probably a prime candidate for the apple one plan um once all my subscriptions come to an end that I've got for them, as I said, because they cover me to like June of next year, yeah, then I might have to look at it. Um, but certainly, uh, I, 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 Apple Music, I've got the student plan on that. That was four ninety nine a month, but it's now five ninety nine. I've got a friend who's a teacher, and he's uh, not an Apple, guy. so I get that on the uh, student sort of discount rate. But even that's gone up to five pounds ninety nine instead of four. It's not that far off a full subscription now.
0: It is interesting that the uh, the model of these um, subscriptions they do add up, but it does mean that you can have you know if you if you look at these recurring revenues on things like uh, the BMW, it does mean that you can have in the in Xiaomi's case, I think that is the obvious example. You can have like a really great spec phone, and Xiaomi can bank on um, having sort of subsequent payments. But I did come across uh, another company that's doing this in a very kind of similar way but it's a little bit surprising so recently there was a bit of a sale on uh, LG TVs 10% off and there hmm. was one that was already pretty cheap anyway which was the um LG A1 OLED uh, and that had got down to about 595 pounds I think from most places so you take 10% off that 60 pounds would be about 5 30 and then if, if you get it from somewhere off the high street i can normally get sort of five six seven percent off on top of that through work so it basically uh and actually with this i managed to get um both nectar points and uh top cashback so I'm, I'm massively into my coupons now but it did bring the total down to under 500 quid for an oled tv that's mm. only a uh was it 48 inch rather than a big 65 inch or whatever Um, but I thought well I'll get it Um, so it's now my new bedroom TV which is a little bit um, excessive a little bit excessive but uh, it's really really good you know to get a uh, an OLED TV for less than 500 quid it's crazy really
1: what size was it
0: did you say 48 yeah Mm, I think it's
1: big I've got 42 and I think that's over I don't even use it it's just there for storage if anything
0: yeah well I had a 43 inch LG LG Uh, LCD uh, in the bedroom, and the picture on it was it was like kind of quite a cheap one, and the picture on it was a bit watery. So it is nice to get an OLED. OLED screens are always really nice, so uh, it was good to get that in there. But because it's like what is it, A1, so it's like uh, last year's model, so it's relatively contemporary model. And very interestingly, LG has gone the Xiaomi route, yeah, the thing is festooned with adverts (laughs) and to understand it's probably worth looking at what a modern tv is actually made up of i mean if you think about it at its basic level it's a big heavy box that has to be transported everywhere uh, before it's sold Uh, much bigger than a phone Uh, obviously you've got the big huge beautiful oled screen uh, plastic frame Uh, they always come with some sort of stand Uh, you've got Uh, In the LG's case, you've got a wireless remote with a microphone for voice assistance. You've got scroll wheel, pointer functionality. You've got the silicon for running the OS and the applications. You've got silicon for all the video decoding, uh, audio decoding, image processing. Uh, You've got all the physical interfaces like uh, for the coaxial aerial, the cable input, satellite input, you know, uh, the CI slots optical audio, output, headphone jacks, RCA, audio ports, USB ports. Uh, And then you look at things like the radios. Obviously, there doesn't have to license cellular radios, but they've got Wi-Fi radios. You know, it's not unusual for them to be fairly high spec. So 5 gigahertz, 2.5 gigahertz radios, Bluetooth 5, mouse and keyboard support. You know, all of the licensing for all the codecs like Dolby Vision, HDR, uh, Dolby Digital Audio, including things like Atmos, uh, DTS, uh, and app support for things like Netflix now, Amazon, etc. I mean, a modern TV is such massive value for money, you know. So it's not difficult to see why these companies that are building these really capable devices with such massive complexity, uh, and they're having to get them out the door so cheap these days... It's not hard to see why they're turning to uh, to adverts and other ways of earning recurring income. Yeah, so LG have always had a feature where, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it'll have a feature where essentially it'll look at the content that you're watching and be able to make uh, certain recommendations and essentially earn LG a little bit of money because it's like profiling what you're watching. But that's always very easy to turn off, and I think it I think it defaults to being off. So it's not... Too evil, um, and you've you've often on the LGs you've had a very subtle, you know, recommended or trending uh, thing that might be like one panel in one corner of the screen, you know, that if you and often you can sort of squirrel into the um, settings and turn it off. But this uh, LG TV, once it it connected to the internet for the first time, if you press the menu button, whereas before you know it used to bring up the apps along the bottom. That used to be the classic LG style. And then you'd have like the mouse pointer.
1: Yeah, we've got one of those in the bedroom.
0: Yeah. So now it takes over the entire screen. So the entire screen goes away from what you're watching. And the main thing that you've got is trending now. So that's got like all of the shows that are being promoted by LG at that time, whether they be on iPlayer, Netflix, Amazon or whatever. Then uh if you scroll down you've got uh sports alerts so you've got like football basketball um all the different sports you've got browsers so you've got like facebook google uh all on there amazon uh and then underneath that you've got like now streaming so again more kind of highlights uh there was a there was a row of things for save the planet new releases i mean thank you festooned with what are essentially adverts even though in theory I suppose they might be useful adverts you know because over time it might learn kind of what you like to watch and uh, where I don't know where it would get that information from if you've turned off all the profiling but in theory you can imagine if you leaned into it um, it might be quite useful Do you know it might bring up recommendations and things that actually served a purpose but i didn't want them at all but you can't turn them off do you know what I mean there's right. no setting where you can uh turn them off so obviously i'm sort of like scratching my head here uh the interesting thing is that this is that they've done done this not just on the base model because the a1 is obviously the base model of the oleds um they've done it on all of them so even if you get the absolute top of the range you know 80 inch oled you know g1 or you know whatever the sort of top top end uh one is it's still got exactly the same software on there that does this which is crazy it's very odd isn't it so i then uh, sort of had a bit of a google around and one of the ways that you can do it is to actually you know essentially do what you know use a pie hole or something like that to actually just sort of block lg's connection with uh the world. The world, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one option. One option is you could just uh, plug a separate smart thing into it and use that. But I don't know about you, but especially the bedroom, you want your, when your TV goes off because you've set it to snooze or whatever, you want it to stop whatever you're watching. You don't want, you know, something playing in the background forever. And I know, I know you could rely on HDMI, CEC to send a, you know, an off signal to... um the device that you're watching it on but it's just a lot easier just to use everything on the tv and have it so that when that switches off it just kills all of the apps that are running at that point
1: so i'm very old-fashioned james i don't i don't watch the television in the bedroom it's there as purely as an ornament to hide the uh, the holes that i've drilled to actually put it on the wall
0: but now that i've actually put the tv there and these adverts are there obviously it's a problem that i've got to solve so, so I, I'm very much a just
1: uh, certainly. If I if I was to use it in the bedroom, I would just airplay to it. I would just airplay or cast if I was using an Android phone. I wouldn't.
0: Uh, that's a bit more of a faff to get your phone out, really? set it all up. Well, I might as well use a phone than point
1: a remote control that has to use infrared and line up.
0: Yeah, but I have tested. I have tested out the casting on it, and it does really, really well. I mean, it's um, you know the. Uh, most relatively new LGs have got AirPlay built in, so it works really, really well. But
1: that's that's what I mean. Why why would you use their dodgy, slow YouTube app? With, using a remote control that uses an infrared, the barbaric infrared sensor that's got to be lined <laughs> up correctly, I, I, when you can just use a a phone that casts in ones and zeros over to over
0: uh, the TV. One of the thing, one of the use, one of the useful features of the previous. Uh, LG TV that was in there was that I could use one of the buttons on the remote control and tell my um, remote control light switch to activate when I press it. So I can use my TV remote control to turn off and on the um, lights in the bedroom. Right. Which is quite handy. It means you don't have to get out of bed to turn the lights on or off. But with the new LG remotes and obviously the new TVs, uh, they obviously communicate Wirelessly. So when you so I actually filmed the remote control using a mobile phone to see what commands were generating an infrared signal. And essentially the first press where you're turning the power on, that sends an infrared signal as well. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as soon as you're actually using it, everything is then um sent wirelessly. There's no infrared coming out the end of the remote control at all. Which I thought that's quite interesting.
1: Well, that is very yeah, that is not what you would think would happen, is it really? No.
0: Because the old remote, which was only like maybe three or four years older, maybe five, um, there's loads of buttons on there that would um, uh, set the infrared off. Okay, the uh, the wand functionality is done wirelessly and not over uh, infrared, but they've obviously decided wherever possible, just send all of the signals um, wirelessly now.
1: It makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I tell you what, you've never tried to learn a remote control until you've tried to... Um... Learn the Sky Glass remote control. Uh, right, yeah. Let's be honest; that's never happening. <laughs> I still, to this day, have two Sky remote controls: one for the Sky Q box and one for the uh, one for the Glass TV. And neither of all you need both of them at all times. Yeah, mental. Well, that's
0: the thing. I I really like. I mean, I can't, I can't get away from it uh, in the living room where I've got about fifty remote controls. You know, one for every minor piece of gadgetry in there but in the bedroom you can pretty much do everything with just the one remote control which is pretty good Um, but going back to the adverts I did manage to disable them by uh, blacklisting the LG URLs that it uses in uh, my router
1: surely don't you just get a placeholder a blank placeholder for the advert then in the software
0: you do get a <laughs> uh occasionally get a bit of a spinner on the now trending box so
1: you've not really won james well i've you've, i've I'm uh a,
0: suppressed it i was gonna say whether we
1: class this as a victory is mm, it's up for sort of debate i wouldn't say that's a victory no nah. well i would say a, a flashing of a stock firmware with no um no placeholders for any adverts that that would be a win
0: yeah I could... Is, uh, is there
1: not like a... Because um, when I go in, always stay in a hotel, I always Google the model of television and look for the hotel mode and it'll give you the key combination to turn off the restricted volume and the and the fact that you can't change inputs. Is there not some sort of mode in there that turns off the, the sort advert. of poor man mode?
0: Uh, you would think so, but I've not found it in terms of extensive Googling. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, if I do find out how to do it more uh, brutally, then uh, obviously I'll do it. The other thing that I noticed is that whenever you try and download an app now, you have to sign into your LG account. Oh,
1: standard. Uh, but I,
0: I don't even think whether I can't remember whether I actually had an LG account or not, but I had certainly had to like log in on the TV, which is a bit of a pain. Do you
1: remember the O2XDA2s and the XDA2i and all those? When you set them up, it it ran through the Windows setup and it asked you for a corporate password. And if you entered the corporate password, it didn't install all the O2 active crap and bloat. It just gave you a default Windows desktop because it assumed you were in a um, sort of corporate environment. I think the code is 0506 for anyone with an XDA2. Just yeah. type that in and it won't install any of that O2 active rubbishy menu that it overlaid over the top.
0: A little bit late now, maybe, but a good tip if you're still wrestling with your O2. Solid
1: uh, tech box tip, that James. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Coming out with all the recommendations.
0: But the, the other thing that I was going to cover, which is kind of like related to sort of TVs and stuff is, I, don't, I think you've got some sort of home cinema capability, haven't you? Or are you just relying purely on the TV speakers?
1: Uh yes, we, James. These things called children. Yeah. Yeah. If you put anything nice in any sort of room, it generally becomes a climbing frame and gets destroyed. Yeah. Um. We've got the Sky Glass TV, which does
0: have. It, it's a decent it's, sound on it, isn't it? Yeah.
1: It's better than what we've previously had. Yeah. Um. And that does the whole Atmos sort of sound if I'm calling it the right thing, I'm probably really offending you at this point. But um, yeah, it's better than just what we've normally had. But no, my days of having surround sound, I think they disappeared in 2012 when I moved in with the wife and she suddenly said, what are these things stood behind the back of the sofa? And then gradually, One by one, they disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had the centre channel in the left and right, and then they disappeared with time as well. Is it
0: because the kids were kind of secretly encouraged to um, vandalise them and smash them, and then eventually they had to get taken away?
1: Well, this is even before the kids. Ah. For some strange reason, wives just don't like these big, silver, horrible speakers that just look like they're out of place and shouldn't be there. So, um, yeah, they
0: ruin everything. Yeah, the uh, speakers or... Well, <laughs> well, both are. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. The, so, but you, you know the sort of basic setup, at least sort of uh, 10, 15 years ago, it used to be that you'd oh, have one yeah. of these massive AV amplifiers. Yeah. You'd have wires absolutely everywhere. I lived the dream, yeah. James. and you'd have multiple speakers everywhere. So uh, my dad had purchased a really nice, uh, really nice, or it's, maybe I should, rephrase that in terms of a really massive pioneer av receiver uh it's one of those ones that probably had i don't know 200 um ports on the back uh, with a remote control that literally had you know 200 buttons on it and it was so complicated that even i you know self-professed nerd james geek, honeyball exactly really actually struggled to use it uh and I think my dad struggled to use it. And what happened was that they they basically, you know, my mum and dad would never use their home cinema capability because the setup was just well, the remote control essentially and the actual A V receiver was just too complicated. Um and I always sort of felt a bit bad about this because I was just thinking, well, you know, they've got these really great speakers and they've got a really great amp, but they never get to enjoy it because it's too complicated. And I, it just sort of sent a little sort of thought in my head that actually um these things should be simpler and it really came to a head uh because my dad's got uh dementia now so even though the chances of him being able to use this setup uh 10 years ago were low it's now essentially impossible and my mum couldn't use it either so um i actually set out to actually try and put in a, a much more simplified solution so that um They'd get the benefit of the surround sound, but without the complexity. And it's, you'd think that that would, should be something that'd be quite easy. Um, mm. So I sort of had a little look around, and my immediate thought were, we'll just get a soundbar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And actually get a good soundbar. And get a good soundbar with speakers, you know, rear speakers. So you still, you're not losing anything. Subwoofer, soundbar, and surround speakers. Yeah,
1: I was going to say that 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 in itself is surprisingly expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: would think that soundbars are not that expensive, but they're up there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're basically looking at the best part of a grand for yeah. decent soundbar sub and rear speakers. I mean, obviously, if you went like the Sonos route, it would go through the roof but even just getting like a sony a samsung or an lg sound you know mid to top soundbar setup it's a it's a lot of money mm. um and i went into like the hi-fi store so i thought this is a good a good opportunity to go to a hi-fi store and actually get hi-fi nerd opinion do you know what i mean so i sort of go in there and say look this is kind of the situation i want something that's going to be really easy to use and i knew that soundbars you know they connect via hdmi most of the time you've got the um remote you know got the volume going there and actually i could imagine that once you set it you don't really need to think about it anymore it could be a really nice solution and uh the guy kind of said well look you know you've got you know these sort of you know whatever they were I think, you know wharfdale speakers and you know a-
1: wharfdale used, to, yeah they used to be everywhere though. yeah you got like yeah.
0: A, a, a rel uh subwoofer you know this this you've got some really good kit here um and if you get a soundbar, no matter whether you get like a top of the range one or not, they're not going to sound as good. And so that sort of just left me sort of scratching my head. And I was just thinking like, ideally, what I want is a soundbar simplicity, you know, basically a bot, a, a, an AV receiver, which didn't have any knobs on at all, had exactly one HDMI connector on the back you know to get the signal from the tv but still would allow you to hook up all of your existing speakers now this just absolutely does not exist do you know what i mean and i thought well you know i should like invent this and you know make a fortune but i was just really surprised that such a product really doesn't exist and no matter where i looked you know you just couldn't get anywhere anything close have you not seen that sort of skybox
1: that they sell for like 300 pounds. That's like a Bluetooth or wired sort of it's not even a soundbar, but it's like a a, a box. Have you, you not like seen a, that?
0: The, like the all in one speaker thing,
1: yeah. Is y- that, was that,
0: uh, yeah? But then you're again, you're wasting the, your existing speakers, mm,
1: yeah. I know, but at a certain point, don't they just become
0: legacy speakers? I think speakers are one of the few things that kind of don't because if you get mm. if if you had like some good speakers from the 80s, they're probably still pretty good. And if you had some good speakers from the 90s, they would definitely still be good. Whereas yeah, that's the same 90s thing.
1: 90s are always better. So yeah, okay.
0: but the th- same wouldn't apply for pretty much any other um, gadget, you know, especially in like sort of the computer realm. But I think in the hi fi realm, you know, if you've got a good speakers amp, you know it's it's likely to be pretty good still. So what I did in the end was I just got a all singing all dancing Denon AV receiver but all it's connected to is via HDMI arc and then the speakers.
1: Was this the uh, was this the AV audio geeks opinion from the shop?
0: Uh yeah, I think we kind of reached that uh conclusion together. Yeah, I was going to say I, I don't lose. want to give him. I don't want to give him hundred percent credit, but
1: oh right, okay, it was a bit of James Honeyball as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. Okay,
1: so is it is it working okay? Is it good? Have you got your simplified setup that you needed?
0: Yeah, so it works brilliantly. So I took the Pioneer out, put the Denon in, connected everything up, and obviously you're limited by the audio codecs that are going to go down uh, the HDMI ARC channel. Uh, and my dad's TV is just normal ARC rather than eARC, which gives you a lot more options. Yeah, but it it's perfectly fine. You know, the standard uh, audio codecs are more than enough. Really, you have to be pretty fussy to want HD audio and be able to tell the difference. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's really really good. Works really well. And it the one thing that was quite interesting that I found when doing it is that modern oh i say modern in the last couple of years uh lg have dropped dts support and you okay. think well does that matter but the way that essentially it works with this setup that i did uh, for my parents is that the tv essentially becomes the hub of everything so you plug your blu-ray player directly into the tv you pl- plug your skybox directly into the tv you control it all from the TV so it's nice and simple, and then you get the audio going back into uh the AV receiver over ARC. Now, of course, most Blu-rays, their audio is like DTS HD by yeah, it's the standard one, yeah. And of course, that means it'll get it'll send DTS to the TV. Now, luckily, my dad's TV is old enough to support DTS, so it just sends that DTS straight to the amp, no problems at all. But for instance, this new LG A1 OLED that I've got, and also my LG OLED downstairs, um, doesn't support DTS. So you wouldn't be able to use this solution for Blu-rays um, with the brand new LGs, because they've dropped support for DTS, which I thought was like quite surprising, really. Um,
1: I'm more surprised that nobody, everybody hasn't dropped this earlier. I mean, you've effectively, I don't know, I'm not going to call them competing standards, but... They they pretty much are, aren't they? It's, it's DTS no
0: and uh, Dolby.
1: Well, it, I've never really seen any. You either go one or the other.
0: Well, the thing is, TVs and AV receivers have always historically supported both.
1: Well, but, but yeah, but you you as a user, you've never really gone both. If that makes sense, you've either gone one or the other. Which is it's a bit like HD DVD versus Blu-ray.
0: A bit, but I suppose the thing is that Blu-rays historically have always had both on there so it's the it's most likely that you've got a dts hd soundtrack on a blu-ray but there's a fair few um dolby true hd blu-rays out there now what you would be left to do if um you did have a brand new lg tv is you'd have to go on your blu-ray player you'd have to search around to see if the disc had a dolby soundtrack on it you know, it wouldn't be the HD track, but they might have um a Dolby um, you know, standard Dolby digital track on there, and hopefully that would be 5.1 and it would all work. But yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a it's a bit of a shame that um LG have dropped that because as it's working now for my parents, it's pretty much they can forget about the A V receiver, they just use the T V remote. The T you turn the TV on, it turns the amp on no matter what channel or what input you're playing on the tv you'll get the full surround sound from the amp it works Mm. really well but it's yeah it's just a little bit strange that you would have to be a bit careful about that now that if you were intending to play blu-rays that um you had a a system that was going to support that now if you just if you're just interested in streaming doesn't really matter because it's in the streaming world it's all dolby it's all dolby atmos and you know dolby uh digital you know i, th- I can't think of a single streaming service that uh, uses dts do you know what i mean so yeah you'd be fine mo- in a modern world you'd be fine with a brand new TV that just supports Dolby and you know there's a fair few soundbars that just support Dolby do you know what I mean it's not um, it's not that common that a soundbar especially a cheapish one would support both Dolby and DTS most of them only support um, Dolby especially on the cheap ones so yeah,
1: yeah I, I, I was going to say I think the one built into the sky is just, just Dolby as well I believe
0: yeah I'd imagine so yeah, yeah.
1: good old days I remember my dad getting a 5.1 surround sound uh, for like, we had like a 30, I think it was 32 or 30. I want to say 36, but I know that, that sounds like an old number to, in terms of television size, but you remember the old huge, big widescreen? screen where yeah. they went for, we, we had one of them and then we had like a 5.1 surround sound system in each corner of the room that we were never allowed to use because it was too loud. So it always made me wonder why he had it and installed it. If, uh, Maybe he was secretly listening to it when we were all out, maybe. Because that's what I would have done. Yeah. You you can't touch that, children. It's for me.
0: It is useful to have a night mode on these uh, setups. Mm. I think that that is a a valuable feature. I think, you know, I was thinking, like, what's the absolute minimum number of features that you'd want on an AV receiver? And actually, a night mode is probably uh, up there. So it just, like, cuts the bass out a little bit. So you can continue to watch something with a reasonable volume, but it's not going to shake the house down.
1: Just good headphones, I suppose. He- Although back yon when, I don't think uh, headphones were yeah. as good
0: as they were now. No, I mean I think you can watch a film with headphones like on a plane, but I don't know if I'd want to sit on my sofa and listen to a film on headphones, would I?
1: Probably not. I've got a lot to say about headphones, but I believe that's probably for another show.
0: For the next one.
1: Yeah, a big rant about headphones.
0: Oh, okay, so that's an exciting and tantalising thing to look forward to.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we've been going for over an hour, James. Yeah, no, it's good this, stuff. Can't, can't stop us once we start.
0: Cool. All right. Well, have a good uh week. Good illness. Is that what we were saying. Enjoy the rest of your illness, well, the David. Is, you should be fine. You need to. So tomorrow's supposed to be pretty sunny. If you just go out there and get lots of vitamin D, then oh, that's going to hey. cure your um illness. All I
1: need is to find a really rubbish play pen with. Sand in, and I'll be in my element. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Just lie in the sand, getting some sun, and that's gonna that's that's gonna fix you. <laughs> oh, God. It, was it it's, something? It's like it's if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, or something like that.
1: Or it just ruins all your devices. Yeah, it's or just grit. It's it's not even sand, is it? Let's be honest. In the UK, it's just grit. Yeah, or glass pebbles, and, glass, grit, and stone.
0: Yeah, lovely. It's
1: it. Well, on that note, James. Oh, you set Sui off. So uh, oh, excellent.
0: Yeah. Cool. We'll have a good week, Dave, and we'll speak soon.
1: Speak to you later, James.
0: Cheers, buddy. Goodbye.